I am Jonathan Hemingway. I'm your host for the Elite is On podcast. Today we have Coach Jeff Mitty as our guest. He enters his third year as the head coach at, at Kansas State University. Currently, the Wildcats have a 15-6 and six record. Today, we will talk about the culture of Kansas State basketball, coaching in the Big 12, and Coach Mitty's philosophy. Coach Mitty, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks, Jonathan. Glad uh, that you're able to join us here uh, this afternoon. Listen, last night, tough opponent, Baylor ranked number two in the country. Maybe it didn't go the way that you wanted to, but anything positive uh, that, that came from last night's game? Well, there, was, there wasn't a whole lot of positives. We did not play very well. Um, Baylor, I thought, played excellent, hit on, hit on all cylinders. Um, we really didn't have a whole lot of answers. Um, they, they were very, very good um, all night. Um, I did think we played better at the rim defensively than we did the first time against them. Uh, that was probably the only positive that came out of it. Um, so now we'll move forward. It's uh, um, kind of life in the Big 12. Uh, I think Baylor uh, is certainly um, one of the top teams in the country and is one that uh, um, may have as much depth as anybody in the country. Right, right. And, and they have, you know, if, if you have, uh, an advantage on, on most teams on most nights, it would be your size. You know, I think you've got a couple of kids that are six, five, maybe, you know, nine kids that are above six feet as total, but Baylor is able to match up, you know, very well with you. And, 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 and that's certainly one of their strengths is, is their length. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the thing that Baylor can do is they can run three and four post at you at a time. Um, they're all playing at a high level. Their bodies are, are, are very, very good. Um, and then, you know, the Prince kid is, uh, you know, six, two small forward that shoots a three. And so you're right. Their size is uh, as good as anybody in the country. And while we have good length and we have good size, it's not that size. Understood. Well, listen, coach, 15 and six, you're currently ranked number 25 in the country. Um, you know, nothing to hang your head about, but, you know, you're playing in a very tough conference in the Big 12. What's the mindset uh, that you really have to set forth with your ladies, you know, in terms of, you know, bouncing back from, you know, one tough game to the to the next? You know, it. Um, I think in the Big because we're one of the few leagues that plays a double round robin where you play everybody twice, um, you are you do have to just bounce back and go to the next one. There's no time to celebrate a victory and there's no time to hang your head after a loss. Um, the one thing I've been pleased about our group is um, you know, we tested ourselves in the non conference um, and we got some good wins early. We got the win over NC State. We got the win over Auburn. Got the win over LSU. Um, really felt like those three wins prepared us for the Big 12, and not just those wins, obviously, but playing those games, and we played them back-to-back-to-back. So um, now the Big 12, I think, is having another strong year. Um, Baylor and Texas certainly at the top, and then you've got a, a good group uh, – just battling it out kind of in the middle. So um, you just have to go win or lose. You've got to really uh, get your mindset to go to the next game. Coach, you've got a good core of players that are playing well for you right now. Brianna Lewis, a 6'5 senior center, 
averaging going into last night 14 points a game, I believe nine rebounds, 31 blocks. You've got the the Wieseman kid uh, again shooting about 37 percent from three point range, 14 points per game, and then uh, first year transfer uh, Middlebrook uh, from from the transfer from Alabama playing the point position. You know, talk about you know, those kids, you know, coming together and how they're playing this year uh, for Kansas State. You know, um, all of them are doing some good things. Uh, uh, Lewis has uh, continued to have a good year. She's had a couple rough games here the last couple, but um, she's having another good year as a senior. Wieseman is kind of the heart and soul of our team. Um, she is a fiery competitor, um, really doing a lot for us. We added Middlebrook. Um, as a graduate transfer, she's taken some pressure off handling the basketball uh, for Wieseman. Wieseman really ran the point for us last year. Now she's playing more off the ball. So those three have really, you know, veteran presence, um, good, solid, uh, good, solid leadership, uh, great people. Uh, they've really had a lot to do with our culture here at Kansas State. Excellent. Last season, went to the NCAA tournament. Uh, won the first round game, you know, got into the, to the second round. Heading into this season, you know, what what were the goals that you set for for this team when when you talked to your players? You know, was it you know just making the NCAA tournament, or do you have something you know even bigger in mind? Well, you know, our our slogan was leave no doubt, and and one of the things that we talked to our group about was the last year on selection show we sat there and we didn't know if we were in or not, and um, we were probably one of the the you know twenty bubble teams and and probably was one of the last eight to get in somewhere in there, and um, so there was a lot of doubt last year. So we went into this year saying you know let's leave no doubt, let's do what's necessary, let's win the non conference games necessary let's let's be successful in league play um and so that's where we're in right now and um uh, i like the thing i like the most about our players uh is uh, our players do have a mindset to really enjoy the process of getting better every day um we've got uh, all the facilities to do that but ultimately you know, all these pretty facilities, they look great on the outside, but they only do you any good if you get inside of them work. <laughs> um, right. And our group does that. Our group does that. I, I've been very pleased with the culture of our team. And so when we came off of last year, now what we gained last year was just that confidence that we were an NCAA tournament team and not just a participant, we were an NCAA tournament winner. Um, so right. our goal is to go further this year. Our goal is to, um, you know, we wanted to get into the top 25. We've been there for three or four weeks, and um, Big 12 is going to challenge you every night, so you just got to grind through it right now, and um, that's what our group's doing right now. You've got a reputation of being a very strong defensive coach, you know, play, playing a lot of zone defense. You know, we talked a little bit before we went on the air here today about the length and the size that you have on your roster. You've got, I believe, nine players that are six feet or taller. You've even got two players that are six foot five. Mm-hmm. Talk a, a little bit, you know, for a moment about how those two things really interact, um, you know, for your philosophy. Well, you know, one of the things that uh, probably changed, definitely changed over the years, you know, going back when I first got into coaching, there was pressure. And I think most coaches at that time were man to man. I think over the years, the game's evolved to where, 
more coaches are playing multiple defenses and um, that's kind of been an evolution of what you're seeing in the game. Um, in our case, uh, I was just looking for some things that uh, would give us an advantage and um, in wanting to recruit bigger guards and wanting to recruit good lengths, um, took a look at uh, Bayheim's zone at Syracuse. And so we started, uh, Brian Ostermann and I, uh, my associate head coach, and I started doing some things that we were studying in the summers. How could we really implement this and how could we do it? So um, we, we've done that. Um, you know, ironically, people, it's almost like we're trapping because we've led the Big 12 in steals two out of, mm the last two years. And I think we're second or third in steals this year, but um, we're going to trap you in places where it's a very active zone. It's not like, uh, it's not like a, a lot of zones that you see out there or what most people think of a zone. So it is very, very right. active. Well, clearly you mentioned, you know, Bayheim and the, the, the Syracuse zone, the, the length that, that is there, you know, when I grew up, you know, as a player and even into my early coaching years, had such a negative, you know, connotation. It was, well, you don't really want to guard people. You know, you're maybe you're a little bit lazy or such, but clearly what what you're saying here is, you know, you're using your zone, using your uh, attributes, physical attributes to your advantage and, and really getting out there and, and trying to pressure people, you know, within zone concepts. Well, no question. And, uh, you know, Bree Lewis uh, was first or second in uh, the Big 12 in block shots. She just set the uh, block shot record at K-State uh, last week, all-time block shot. So um, we recruit athletes with length, and uh, we want to put them in areas where we can trap and create turnovers. So that is much different. You're right. I played the same way when, you know, my coach, you know, his own was like a, a bad word, you know. And, yeah, and uh, exactly. it was meant for players that couldn't guard. Um, we're trying to do the exact opposite. We're trying to get players that can guard, but put them in areas that we can uh, trap, um, be aggressive, um, stay out of foul trouble, keep our best players on the floor because of that. And, um, you know, we, we're, we're still not where we want to be in that. Um, sure. But um, I think we're continuing to evolve, and uh, our recruiting classes have been uh, continuing to get better and better. So I think we're headed in the right direction. Yeah. Real quick, how much of this do you attribute to guard play improving so much, you know, really in the, in the past decade, two decades? You know, because it used to be that the game was predicated, you know, upon – you know, if you had the biggest player on the court, you know, you usually win or, or, or come close. But now guard play is, is so strong that if, if you give these quick guards, you know, space to penetrate and, you know, break down your, your defense, you know, pressure defense-wise, um, you know, you put yourself at a disadvantage. Do you agree? What do you see? I, I, well, I, I think the rule changes of, uh, you know, you, the rules, the way they're officiating them now, you can't touch them on the perimeter and you can just beat them up on the inside. Mm. And that in the women's game, I think uh, it's helped the perimeter play, but it's hurt the inside play. Um, I think the other thing that um, has changed in our game is that there's just more ball handlers, period. Um, yeah. So you, you, you have to be able to defend that. And, uh, it, you know, you're seeing one of the things I haven't liked is I think more people are playing zone this year 
than they have the last three or four years. So it seems like everybody now has a zone in there. They've got a switch up defense, which sure. I kind of like being one of the few. Um, ah, now I think right. people come in more prepared than they did two, three years ago because everybody's got to switch up defense that they're going to. That, that's right. And I, I think I heard in a co- coaching clinic long ago that, you know, Beheim, you know, once said that he liked playing zone because everybody in the preseason was working on their man to man play. So when they saw the zone, it was just like you said, you know, that they weren't, you know, as, as prepared. Um, yeah, uh, we have seen that. We have seen that. And um, now our coverages, a lot of our coverages are very unique. We we have to, our center is in charge of a lot of our coverages. And um, much like a middle linebacker in football, that that's a very active, Bree Lewis has to be very active, uh, involved in the uh, ball screen plays, has to be very active in our trapping. Um, so it is a different defense for the center, and it's different than a lot of two-three zones. So that is, I, I think, I think we're still unique, but we're still seeing a lot of teams play more zone than we saw two or three years ago. Right. Chris, let's talk a moment here. You spent 15 seasons at TCU, had terrific success there. Over 300 wins and won over 60% of your games. You know, clearly that that had to be been, you know, a big change for you leaving that program and coming to Manhattan. You know, has the change been good for you uh, at K State? Yeah, you know, I'm from this area originally. My wife's from this area, so um, it's been good. I, I I like the culture here. Um, it. Um, it's basketball crazy up here. You know, we sold the Yukon game out nine days in advance, over 12,500 wow. people at that game. Um, wow. We're averaging over 5,000 fans a game. Um, those things have been really, really good. Um, love the passion of our fans here. Um, there's there's a great tradition here in women's basketball. So all of those things have been um, really fun to be a part of. And, um you know, it was hard to leave TCU. Um, loved it there. Um, a lot of great memories. It's hard to compete, uh, you know, against uh, that school in the league. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, in our business, you just never say never. So it was the right time for us to come back home. I've heard coaches that have been around it as long as, as you have say that, you know, after a period of time, it's actually good to, to switch it up, to get, you know, uh, you know, a new office, you know, new scenery, new people around you. Have, has the change brought, you know, has it reinvigorated you? Has it brought you more energy? Well, I, you know, the one thing about uh, the TCU thing, and I always told people because I've heard the same things, but because of the path that we were on at TCU, we were switching leagues, we were moving, trying to get back to where, you know, before I'd gotten there, they'd gotten left out of the Southwest Conference shakeup. So then it was, you know, we were in the WAC, we were in uh, Conference USA, we were in the Mountain West, we joined the Big East but never played in it, and then we got mm. the invite to the Big 12. So really, I didn't need any reinvigorating because we had a lot of changes that were <laughs> exciting along the way. Um, right. I think it was just the timing of being able to go back home, uh, being around family and just being, uh, knowing kind of the K-State program and the history, all those things were real positive for, for uh, my family and I. Coach, you've been around the game a long time, and I say that respectfully. 
you know, when, when I talk to coaches that have been you know, in the business for, for 20 years plus, I always try to spend a, you know, an extra few minutes of picking their brain and figuring out, you know, what life lessons or, you know, what lessons about the game of basketball that they can share, you know, with me that, that are really important. And so for you, you know, explain how the game has changed, you know, since you've entered um, and, and what parts of the game are still the same. Well, I think over the years, I think the one thing that's uh, changed so much in the women's game, I think the coaching's gotten so much better. I think that there's there's such a um, uh, there's much more of a commitment than there was 20 years ago. Um, the participation levels at the youth basketball league, uh, all the way up to high school, have have just gotten opportunities have just continued to grow and grow. Um, and I think the college coaching has just gotten so much better. Um, and so I think all those things have been good. I, I think what hasn't changed is that you're still coaching 18 to 22 year olds. You're still, hmm. you still have to uh, develop them. You still have to, uh, uh, be able to, uh, reach them. Um, that's become more challenging over the last, um, uh, probably 10 years and that, um, uh, because there there have been so many changes in the way they grow up, um, I think when we get them as coaches, their expectation levels of playing time and all those things sometimes right. isn't realistic. And, you know, I see more success in players that work hard and have a little bit of patience and have some perspective. If they do those things and they have the talent, they end up doing things very well. I think what's been bad for I think what's been bad for women's basketball, quite honestly, is the 15 scholarships. I think is bad for women's basketball. Hmm. I don't think uh, I think the transfer rate's way too high. I yeah. think the enjoyment is not as great as they expect it to be because, quite frankly, we can't play 15. Yeah. And so I think it's it's also I think hurt women's basketball in parity. Um, we don't deal with the same things the men deal with. They, they have 13 plus they have the incentive to go pro early because of the money. Yep. Yep. We don't have those things. And so yep. I think there are still some things that um, we need to look at to help the student athlete that will help our game, but will also help their experience. And um, we're still, to me, we're, we're still – we're, we're still making decisions off of things that were good for women's basketball 40 years ago. And, you know, yeah. we need to make those changes going forward that will help the, the student athletes of uh, this next decade. Great points there, coach. And, you know, I've heard the 15 scholarship argument before. And of course, one of the counters, you know, to that is to say, well, the injury rate or at least the ACL, you know, um, tears, you know, you, you could be in a situation if you only had 13 scholarships, you get a couple of injuries, a couple of knee tears, and you go from 13 down to nine, you know, pretty quickly. Uh, but, but clearly, you know, if you look at the recruiting patterns, you oftentimes see McDonald's All-Americans going to, you know, maybe one of the, the, the same five schools every year and, you know, end up on, on the bench, uh, you know, for, for a year or two. And, you know, whereas in the mid-side, like you say, with the incentive of, you know, pro basketball, um, a guy is not going to go and want to sit on the bench because they're going to want to get the playing time, get the shots, get the film. That way they can immediately uh, get into the draft. Your thoughts? 
Sure. Yeah. Well, I don't buy, you know, the injury thing's a real factor, but the one thing that I don't know too many programs across in women's basketball now that don't use male practice players. So mm-hmm. to go into a game with nine players, yeah, that's actually pretty good. That's a pretty good rotation. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, so from a practice standpoint, I don't, I don't see that that's an issue, but, um, you know, I just think that, um, when you put all those things together, we're not going to see the parity until a couple things happen. One, uh, players recognize that and choose schools for different reasons. Um, mm-hmm. two, coaches have to make tougher decisions on scholarship offers because right now with 15, you can afford to make some mistakes. And um, I think it it would do us um, good if we had to make tougher decisions on scholarship offers. And um, I think we'd, uh, they'd be better evaluated uh, offers. And um, I think all those things would be better for our game. Well, coach, we're coming to the end of our time here. Know that, uh, that you're busy. Uh, just like, just like all of us. But before we let you go, um, um, I have a, a brief tribute to uh, Dean Smith. We call this the Four Corners uh, segment. When you know the end of the end of the half, end of the game is coming up, uh, you want to run the timeout. But uh, I always say on this podcast, we're not we're not running four corners to waste time. We're running it to score. So I've got uh, four quick hitting questions right here for you. Um, okay. Tell us, tell us what you got. First question, what's your favorite sport other than basketball? Uh, baseball. All right. What, who's your favorite team, by the way? Uh, I grew up a Kansas City Royals fan. Clearly, clearly. Well, I'm a Chicago Cubs fan. I, I think that it would be great for, great for the, the game if uh, the Royals and the Cubs met up in the World Series here in 2017. Well, we we both been fairly happy than the last two years. You, you last year and me the year before. So there you go. Um, That's there, right. I'd be okay with I'd be okay with that. <laughs> Second question: When you are not coaching basketball, fill in the blank. You are what? Uh, most of the time, uh, just kind of hanging out. Uh, probably traveling around to see my kids. I've got three. Uh, young adult kids. I've got one that's a coach in Texas at uh, Saginaw. She coaches a ninth grade team. I've got a son that's a football player at Texas State University in San Marcos. And my youngest daughter um, is a basketball player, freshman at Fort Hayes State University, about two and a half hours down the road. So probably traveling to see them. Wow. That's, that's gotta be something to see your kids uh, go on and, you know, stay, stay in athletics that has to be pretty satisfying right it's it's pretty it is pretty fun it is pretty fun yep third question coach who is your favorite nba team to watch if you watch the nba um you know being down in texas i like watching the mavericks i got to go over there and watch uh, rick carlisle work some and i have a lot of respect for what he does with his teams whether they're good or bad or how the process i i just like watching them because i got yeah. to know them a little bit and got to see them practice so i, I do enjoy watching them agreed on uh, coach carlisle always does a great job they've they've been hampered with some injuries as of late but I, he always has them competitive uh, regardless and, yeah, uh, I think he does, he does an awesome job with them. Yeah. Fourth and final question here. What is the best part about Manhattan, Kansas? <laughs> you know, um, 
I, I tell you what I, well, the P, it always starts with the people because, you know, we've got Bill Snyder Family Stadium, and it's one of the unique places that everybody always talks about family atmosphere. But here, I really, truly believe that when we get people here, they feel it. It's not just a word. It's not just everybody says, hey, we have a family atmosphere. Manhattan truly feels like that if you go back 25, 30 years ago when Coach Snyder got here and was getting the football program, and they were the worst college football program in, in college athletics, uh, Manhattan really feels, and rightly so, um, that they were a part of changing uh, the path of the football program. And, and so that has permeated throughout our athletic program here. The other thing that's kind of unknown here is that um, we have more local restaurants that are just kind of unique. Uh, yeah. Aggieville is just off of campus, so there's a lot of cool places to go that's got a lot of K-State stuff. So um, right. it's just kind of a unique place to, to, to be. I'm a big fan of food coach, so I've got to Manhattan one of these one of these years and check out some of these restaurants. I'm, uh, my eyes lit up when you just said that. <laughs> Come on in. Come on in. There's a bunch of them. <laughs> Come on in. Well, great. Well, Coach Mitty, thank you for your time today. Uh, we wish you all of the luck uh, on the court this season. And, uh, of course, we hope to see you in the postseason this year. Okay, Jonathan. Thank you. All right, thank you. That is all the time that we have today on the Elite is Earned podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or follow us on SoundCloud. Until next time, I am Jonathan Hemingway.